0: This morning, I want to start with a time of prayer with you, Um, just kind of focus in our attention on what's happening around us. To do that, I want to give you one more rep of sitting and standing uh, during this time, so would you stand with me? Um, I want to read something really quick, and then I want us to have a time of engaging prayer together. Let me read this together. The protesters in Virginia claim to be marching in the name of Jesus. We at the church at Quail Creek, we denounce any and every racial supremacy, anti-Semitism, and white nationalism. What was shown was not the heartbeat of our Savior, and what he stands for. Jesus taught us to love regardless of skin color, gender, or religion. We are to lay down our lives for one another. We stand today to say that Quell Creek is and will continue to be a place where anyone is welcome in our doors and will be loved by the people of Jesus that stand for what he stands for. The church at Quell Creek possesses a beautiful tapestry of faith written on the faces of a multi-ethnic church family. We will strive daily to be the hands and the feet of our Savior and Lord. We hope that we will play a part in the healing of our city, of our state, of our nation, and our world. We will, as a body, reach out to people with the compassion of Jesus. You're welcome to start your journey here, because all are welcome to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we believe, God, that you have a better plan than what we're living out. God, our nation is broken. Our world is broken. Our city is broken. Our state is broken. And God, because of that, we need your healing. God, because of that, we need your insight into our lives. God, because of that, we can't bring the healing. Only you can do that, God. So, Father, as we stand, we declare we want to be used by you to bring healing. God, as we stand, we believe that we can be a part of something greater than what's happening. God, we believe that the kingdom of heaven will look different than all white, than all black, than all Asian, than all Hispanic races. God, we will all be at the table because God so loved the world. So, Father, we ask that you forgive us. Lord, lead us to follow after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all the church said, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. As we kind of started in this series together afresh, we talked last week um, that uh, to start your journey, you've got to have some tools to do that. And we said that last week, we believe that part of your journey, and we believe it's the strongest point, starts with a a relationship, a conversation with Jesus. We believe that you should have a prayer life, that at some point in your walk with the Lord, that you should possess some conversation with a God that loves you so dearly. And so we started talking about how to start that prayer journey last week, and I hope that you started that. I hope that you're actively daily talking to God and speaking about the things in your life. Hope that you're leaving that before his feet. Today, I want to talk to you about the next tool that's available to you is that of Scripture. We believe that Scripture and prayer go hand in hand. Because I want to tell you, if you want to hear from God, he does a lot of speaking through Scripture. I've found that oftentimes in my life when I'm struggling through something and I can't seem to find the answer. When I open my Bible up, God always tends to speak to me through those moments. And I've heard people ask me, Kyle, how many times has God audibly spoke to you? I can think of at least one time in my life where God said something to me personally. I remember us during a difficult season in our church and I was in the kitchen at our last house and I was standing at the counter making our morning shake. You know, I'd buckled it in, thrown some fruit in, thrown some protein powder because, I mean, frankly, we all want to look like Arnold, right? Right. He wants to pump us up. Anyways, so I just started that. And I, I remember leaning on the counter and just going, God, say something to me. And I felt a hand on my back. And, and just this voice in my heart said, just keep going. And I remember turning around thinking my wife's going to be there or one of my kids are going to be there. And there was nobody there. And it was one of those moments where I felt like God was just telling me, just keep going. And I think we all need those just keep going moments. But i got to tell you, more than not, the times that God has spoken to me has been in intense prayer times where I've asked God to do something or say something, and he answers it in Scripture. I've been like, God, tell me what to do. God, show me what to say. And and it's right there in front of me. And I go, well, that that was easy. God goes, yeah, I'm God. I know how to talk to you. I made you. Quit being so stubborn and listen. You ever had that moment, parents, with your kids where you're trying to tell them something and they just keep talking? You know, you're like saying, okay, but I just got to tell you, and you're like, whoa, (whistles) time out, slow it down, and you're like, but I just, and you're like, be quiet. Your pants are on fire. Oh, yeah, Dad, I'm sorry about that. You're just trying to say something, but they just won't stop talking. I think a lot of times you and I, what we need in our life is a whole lot more of this, and a whole lot less of this, so that God can speak into our hearts. So I hope that today you'll, you'll get some insight into that. We're going to be in Psalms 119, Psalm 119 in the 33rd verse. David just goes on a string, if you will. Um, some have ascribed to him the authorship of this particular Psalm, some haven't. We'll just kind of fall in the maybe line. Um, Psalm 119 Verse 33 says this, Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it, and follow it with all my heart. Help me to stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Turn my eyes from looking for what is worthless, and give me life in your ways. Confirm what you said to your servant, for it produces reverence for you. Turn away the disgrace, I dread. Indeed, your judgments are good. How I long for your precepts. Give me life through your righteousness. David starts to draw this picture, if you will, of what it looks like when God's word starts to take place in our lives. I can remember learning how to ride a bike and feeling the the inadequacy of when you couldn't keep your balance and you would you know, kind of bump your elbow or fall down and just that discouragement. But it was much more as a parent to see my kids try and ride a bike and feeling that discouragement of not seeing them keep their balance or not doing exactly what you asked them to do and what that felt like when you couldn't do anything to stop them from falling over. You'd go, oh, come on, you're, you're leaning. Well, I'm trying. In fact, both of my kids learned to ride their bikes via their grandfather. Because my, my dad, I mean, would let them fall, and he was okay with that. He'd be like, well, get back up. You know, rub some ethylate on it. Let's keep going. But that's, that's kind of how things happen. We need someone that stands behind us and goes, just get back up. Amen. Keep going. Don't get discouraged. Keep trying. And I think that's probably the truest statement behind Scripture reading of anything. Because if we're being honest in the room, most of us want to read Scripture. We want a kind of healthy diet of the Word of God. We just don't know where to start, nor do we know how to keep it going because sometimes we get into it, right, and then we just stop. And then we have that friend that calls. Hey, I just finished reading through the Bible seven times this year. <laughs> and you're like, ha, ha, ha good for you. And you're like, I could just use getting through Matthew once this year. So how do we get through it? How do we start that practice? How do we start? So let's talk about that. Number one, come as a learner and not a reader. Listen, when I pick up a book that's not the Bible, I come as a reader. I I show up to hear a, a biography or read about leadership or something like that, and I come as a reader. I'm trying to get through it. Because um, if you come to my office and you look at my library, I know the question you're going to ask. Have you read all of these? Anybody have a library that they've read them all? Like front to end, every book you've got? If so, we can't be friends. We're no longer friends. Anyways, um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like You come into my library and, and I've got these markers at places I've stopped in certain books. Maybe you're like me. You have that one page turned over and then it it made its way onto the shelf because another good book came along. And so you've gone through this whole process of I had this book, now I've got that book kind of thing. And so as we look at Scripture, we kind of try and figure out how how do we finish? How do we start in a book and how do we finish in a book? And so I want to give you a few keys. I just want to talk to you today about how the Bible lays out so I want you to do me a favor and I I want you to all do this and I hope that you'll hear me out here because I believe people are intimidated by the Bible for whatever reason I think people show up to look at their Bible and they don't know where to find stuff or how it starts or stops or what happens in it so entertain me for a second everybody close your Bible yeah did you hear that sound (laughs) you're like okay the Lord just left the room everybody close their Bibles Um, so turn to the front. There's in every Bible, there's this thing called the contents. Now, some of y'all are like, listen, I learned this in preschool. That's okay. Listen, I have friends that are adults that have never looked and seen the contents of a Bible. So it's okay if you feel like, hey, man, I'm learning something. I hope that you are. The contents are laid out like this. If I go too far, my Bible's going to fall apart right here. So this is as far as it's going to go. I always make fun of Dale's Bibles because he has this one that he has that's completely falling apart on him. I think pages have fallen out and he just stuffs them back in and they folded over over time. So they're like a triangle in his Bible, but he keeps them, which I'm thankful for. That means he uses it, right? But here's the contents of your Bible. It's broken up into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. Yours may look a little bit different than mine in the front. The Old Testament is all of God creating the world, where sin entered, Ten Commandments, the flood. We get battles, we get kings, we get prophets. That's where the scriptures end. It goes from major and minor prophets. It's, you know, where they were and how they talked. And and not all the prophets are in order. So if you want to be a student of the Bible, I encourage you to do this. Go get a timetable of the books of the Bible. And look at how they're laid out and where the prophets talked about what was happening in history. It really makes the Bible very interesting in the Old Testament. The next is the New Testament. And it starts with Matthew. And the New Testament begins the life of Jesus. So if you wanted to start with Jesus, you would start in the New Testament. Now, I want to tell you, all of the Old Testament talks about a coming Savior. And that Savior was Jesus in the New Testament. And there's a gap in history between the Old and the New Testament where nothing happens, where a lot is silent. There are some books that were written, like the book of the Maccabees and things like that, that are not a part of your Bible. Because when they looked at the authorship, it didn't hold congruency. And the stories didn't line up with the truth of the other word of God. So it's not a part of your Bible. So you may be like, I've heard about the book of the Maccabees. Shouldn't that be in here? No, because it didn't line up. It was written off text. It's history, but it's just not biblical history. So, New Testament starts with Matthew, the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus' life given in different accounts by four different men, looking at it from four different angles. Some are very mind-heavy, exact things that happen in dates and weights and everything else. Some others are compassion-driven about the life of Jesus and what he touches and what he does. Then you get into Acts. That's the start of the church. It's where the apostles started to see things happen. Then we get into the life of Paul. All the You know, as you go through Scripture, once you get into Romans, Paul's life takes over and he starts to reach out to the world. and We start to see the apostles start to spread the gospel of Jesus and Paul's journey starts. And we end with Revelation, which is a future site that John has on an island of Patmos as he starts to kind of see what's in the future and he starts to uncover what's about to happen at the end of the world. That's how the Bible lays out. So if you're ever in the sanctuary and you look up and I say something like, hey, find for me Isaiah, and you go, I don't know where to find that in my Bible, I want to tell you something. If anybody looks down upon you because of what I'm about to say, you have full measure to righteously punch them in the face in the middle of service. Just go right ahead. The pastor said so, okay? Come to the front of your Bible. It'll say Isaiah, and it'll tell you what page it starts on. Don't be afraid to come here. We want you to understand your Bible. We want you to get to know it. And to do that, you got to find it, and it's okay to do that. I want to give you one other step with your Bible. Listen, if trying to find where stuff is in the Bible makes you feel, I don't know, looked down upon, let me give you another great tool. Go to a Christian bookstore, Lifeway, Mardell, and they've got Bible edge marks. I think even Barnes & Noble has them. You can get some Bible edge things that you can put on each of the first pages of where stuff starts. And so you don't even have to look at this if you didn't want to. You could have little index things on the end of your Bible to find that page fast. I just don't want you to be intimidated by the Bible. The Bible's not meant for intimidation. It's built for your good. It is supposed to change you and lead you and guide you. And I believe it can do that. Just don't be afraid of it. So as we look at the Bible and how it's broken down, we, we hit Psalms, which is a lot of different books of people put together songs, sonnets done by some men, some the son of Korah, some David, some some other writers, and we get that by their style of how they write. In fact, some of the Psalms, if you get to them, say a Psalm of David or a Psalm of the sons of Korah, and they would have all been sung. So it's like a hymnal in the middle of your Bible, and it would be a song sung at different times in the middle of a battle. In fact, some of them have some inscription to it that say This was a song that David sang when this happened. And so you can go back to Samuel and see where that happened in David's life. It is powerful to see where David busted out in song. I mean, David almost lived kind of the Disney life when you start to add it back into Psalms, right? Something would happen and he'd just go, I am here. You know what I'm saying? That was awesome. And so we get to the Psalm 119 where David starts to talk about the word of God. And uh, he just simply says, listen, teach me, God, to follow your decrees. Teach me how to pursue them with my life. Show me so that I can live a life after you. He starts to say, your word means something, and I want to I just dive into it. Here's what David didn't have. David didn't have the New Testament. David knew nothing of Jesus. Jesus wasn't a part of who he was. He had an idea because God spoke to him about a future king who would save his people. But he didn't know Jesus' name. In fact, Jesus wouldn't appear until much later. But I will say, Jesus comes out of David's family. So how cool is that that years before, a king amongst kings, in fact, one of God's favorites, talks about a future savior who would be Jesus in the New Testament. It's pretty powerful and amazing. Psalm 119, so it tells us, man, we need to come as a learner. He says, teach me, Lord. Teach me. Don't just let me be a reader. I want to encourage you to do something. I encourage you to read your Bible, but I also encourage you to learn from it. Don't just read it to say you did it. Listen, it's the wrong applause to say that people have finished reading the Bible in a year. It's the right applause to say that they learned something in that process. We can go through a lot of things in life, but... I want you to hear this. Scripture is not a car wash that you drive through and you're done with. It's a drive-in movie that you park at and experience. So don't just take Scripture and make it a piece of your day. Let it change your day. Now it leads us to our next piece. Practice daily what you read. Practice daily what you read. It's important that we don't just hear the Word, but we become doers, as Scripture says. So when we take in Scripture, we need to make a question mark to everything we read. God, what do you want me to do with that? What do I do with that piece of Scripture? What do I do with this particular line that you're trying to teach me something through? Because all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for you. Now, we get the truth, right? 1 Corinthians was written to who? The church at Corinth, right? But it didn't stop there. God inspired that book, although it was written to the Corinthian church, to be used at the church at Quell Creek today to speak to you. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes scripture come alive. And I gotta tell you, I had this pastor growing up that would always hold his Bible up and he'd say, this thing quakes with life. And I remember going, okay. And the next Sunday, this thing quakes with life. And we'd go, all right. And then the next Sunday, this thing quakes with life. And we were like, okay. It wasn't until I started to it's been time in the Word that I started to realize it's exactly what it is. It is a life waiting for you that you have yet to touch. If you're not diving into Scripture daily, you're missing out on some real life stuff. Do you remember the first time you had super caffeine? I'm not just talking about like a Coke. That's okay. I'm talking like Mountain Dew or Espresso or whatever weird stuff monster yeah I'm talking that first time where after you finished drinking it your hands kind of shuddered you're going that's new and you started to talk and it came out like this you're like whoa what okay I'm just really excited to be here okay <laughs> stop drinking that whatever that is you ever been around students that all drink monster or anything like that, Red Bulls, all of a sudden they show up and they're all just like jumping off the walls and you're like, as a student pastor that grew up in those times, as the parents that brought me their students after giving them Red Bull and donuts, I wanted to leave them home for camp. Just wanted to be like, thank you, but no thank you. Do not bring your monster here. Take them home. Do not love, and you would get to camp and you'd see the kid unzip their bag and they'd get out their one pillow they brought no blankets, no sheets, just a pillow and like a 30 pack of monster. You're like, I hope that keeps you warm at night, and they're like, Oh, it will, you know. You're like, Oh, oh, yeah, that's that's gonna be great. Thanks, mom. Um, I'd always come back by the way from camp and find that parent and just look at them and they'd go. How was camping? I'd go, you. <laughs> Me and you are going to make our way up to the baptismal on Sunday. I'm going to baptize you five times in the name of the Father, Son, and Mountain Dew. <laughs> I, I just, sorry, I need to get that off my chest, evidently. <sighs> I'm okay now. Much better place. That was therapeutic. Thanks for coming. Um, But when you tap into the Word of God and when you start to dive into what it says and you start to put into practice what it tells you to do, you come alive in Christ. He doesn't want you to live in existence, He wants you to live abundant. He doesn't want you to be okay, He wants you to be excellent. And He doesn't want you to be better than most. He wants you to be holy. And so, because that, we need to find out how do we get there? How do we move from just okay to great in Him? Well, we got to spend some time with him in prayer. And we got to spend some time with him in the Word of God. It changes lives. And it should change yours. I would say this. If you're struggling with reading Scripture, the third would be this. Pray for focus. Pray for focus. I want to go back to David in Psalms 119. It says, Teach me, Lord, in verse 33, the meaning of your statutes, and I'll always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I'll obey it. And I'll follow it with my heart. Help me to stay on the path of your commandments, so I take pleasure in it. Do you see that? Twice David says, "Help me" in Scripture to God. Help me, help me, because we need help to get through Scripture. Because everything's going to compete for your time with God. Everything. Television is going to compete with your time with God. Your children are going to compete with your time with God. Your spouse is going to compete with time with God. Your work is going to take place over your time with God. In fact, your dog will take time over your time with God. Everything in your life will try and compete for time with God. And if you don't believe me, set a date for tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. to read your Bible. And I promise you, something will happen that will take that time with God. It's what happens. So you have to be mean for your time with God. And I'm not saying that you need to be like, I tell you kids, if you open that door while I'm reading the scriptures, I will drop kick you. Don't do that. But it may take you finding a place in time at 5 a.m. so you can spend time with God so that there is no competition. You may be like, that is sacrilegious. God's not up at 5 a.m., I promise you, he never sleeps. He'll be there for you at midnight. He'll be there for you at 3 a.m. He'll be there for you at lunch. He's always available. He is never gonna put you on hold. You'll never have to talk to his receptionist. You always get him. And because of that, we need to pray for focus. Help me, God, to stay focused on this because I want to read scripture. I desire it in my gut to know you deeper. And I promise you that if you will focus your attention on God and you ask him for that focus, he'll give it to you. He does it. He'll clear your schedule. The last is this. Relationship is the key to Scripture. Relationship is the key to Scripture. Here's why I say that. All of Scripture is written about one man. And it sounds strange, but all Scripture points to Jesus. From Old to New Testament, it all funnels into one man, and that man is Jesus. And because of that, everything about God's nature points to him. God the Father creates the world, and he loves it so much he sends Jesus. The Holy Spirit in his nature as it exists right now is pointing us to Jesus. And because of that, all of Scripture just keeps pointing us to one man and that man is Jesus and if he is at the center of scripture we need a relationship with that kind of guy I was reading some time ago Decision Points by George Bush I don't know if you've read this book and it's his account of some presidential stuff and then into 9-11 and after I got done reading the book you know what I said to myself I want to know this guy I just want to know him I want to walk up to him one day and him go Well, hey, Kyle, how are you? Ask me if I know him. No. No. I read a book about Winston Churchill. Would have loved to have known that guy. Ask me if I know him. No. 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 Ernie Johnson. Read his book. Unbelievable book. I hope you go get that one. That's a good one. Ernie Johnson's story about getting cancer, coming to know Christ. After I read his book, I said, man, I just want to get to know that guy. Ask me if I know Ernie Johnson today. No. No. You know what? Every day I spend time in a book with a God that created the world, who formed me in my mother's womb, who speaks over me today, who sent his son to die for me. And you know what's crazy about that? He is bigger and better than Ernie Johnson. He is bigger and badder than Winston Churchill. And he is much bigger and badder than George Bush. He is God above all gods. He is a name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on earth and under the earth that he is Savior and Lord. And that guy, I know him. I know him. And so when I wake up in my mornings and I start my prayer time with God. And I say, God, lead and guide me today. Make me a man of character. Give me integrity. Give me wisdom today to do what you call me to do. He says, good morning, Kyle. I know you. I love you. Scripture has a key, and that key is relationship. At our church, we start that in our journey. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus. And we believe that you need to start your journey today. We believe that today you can know Jesus. You can know this man that all Scripture points to. And what's more is when you know him and you go back to read Scripture, for the first time maybe ever in your life, it will come alive. Because Jesus pops off the pages. His voice just carries through every line in Scripture. Through the Old Testament, he is that yearning that is yet to be. He is the image of other men who stand and sacrifice and are willing to sacrifice all along, but no answer of salvation comes. And then Matthew begins. And unto us a Savior was born, right? Isaiah talks about him long before he would be born. He'd say he was bruised for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities chastisement of peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah penned those words and had no idea the look of what it would look like a Jesus who would come and live a sinful life, who would go before a committee late at night at a time where they should have never have held anything, and was convicted of a crime with false accusers, yet remained silent because it wasn't because of them he was there. Is because God started a clock from the start of creation. And he knew that at this point, his Savior of the world would come and die for us. So that all the world could look unto him and say, I need that. Because all of creation is declaring there is a Savior. There is one who is coming, so no one is without an excuse. Even the rocks declare that God is God. The winds, the trees, the canyons, the oceans, all declare that there is a God and that he loves you and sent Jesus. And because of that, one day we will stand before God, all of us. And on that day, we will have to give an account, do we know him or don't we? And on that day, it says that Scripture will look unto people and say, either I know you, Or I don't. And you need to spend eternity away from me. But today is your choice. Today is your moment. Today is the day for relationship with God. And so today is your moment to engage him, O people. Today is your day to know a Savior who died for you. And to be changed by him forever. So what would stop you from a relationship with a Jesus like that? Who is actively in people's lives even today it all starts with a relationship so if you want to know why maybe you've gone to scripture time and time again and come away with nothing your relationship is hurt and you need some Jesus at the end of our day we can sit here and talk about social injustice and believe me we could probably spend the rest of our day doing that But I want to tell you something, you and I can't heal our nation. We can play a part, but we can't do it. There's only one that can do that. His name is Jesus, and he wants to change our lives. So that's my prayer to you today. Would you start your relationship with him today? Will you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, that's my prayer. God, that this morning people all over this room would make it known that they know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because God, we need you. And Lord, we want Scripture to come alive, and Father, we want to be changed by it. But Lord, it starts with Scripture, it ends in relationship, and it starts in relationship, and it ends with Scripture. Lord, it all revolves around you, God. So we know the truth, God, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Father, that's the... The prayer we pray this morning God that people would cry out to you today and come to know you as Savior and Lord Father thank you that you give us the Bible, a text that we can hear from you, that we can be changed by God that we can learn how to live our lives, Lord where we can depend upon you, God we can see the mistakes that were made and avoid things like evil, like sin and God where we can learn how we can be a part of what you're doing, the heartbeat of God so, God, lead us into a relationship today. Help us to be broken before you, and God, help us to be changed forever for what you ask us to do. Lord, that's our prayer. And we pray in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Would you stand with me? We have our time of invitation. The front's open to you to come and pray. Dale and myself will be here to pray with you, alongside you. Maybe right now you would say, Listen, I just want to pray for people. You would just come and stand and be available. I encourage you today. Let's start a relationship with God. Start your journey. As we sing, you come. Standing
1: here in your presence In a grace so relentless I am once By perfect love Wrapped within the arms of heaven in a peace that lasts forever sinking my secret place, I'm wide away, drawing close, stirred by grace, Door
0: I wonder this morning if you came with an expectation to see God do something in your heart. Because I believe he still does that. I believe our God still heals. I believe our God still moves. And I believe our God is still in the business of putting you on a path that leads closer to him. So I just want to give one more chance to worship with you. One more chance to point to our Savior. One more chance to Maybe make that prayer known before God. Start your prayer journey today. Start it now. Reach out before a heavenly father who loves you desperately and cares for you deeply. And this morning, give your everything to him in this time. Pray before him, call out to him, sing to him because this is a moment that we get to declare to a holy God, you are so worth it to us. So take your moment, church. Take that moment to worship deeply. Take that moment to prayer intensely and get before a holy God who desperately loves you this morning. As we sing this one more time, take your moment this morning to truly worship a holy God.
1: Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I see you are my everything jesus christ you are my one design lord hear my only cry to know